Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. I'd like you to turn in the scriptures to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to read verses uh, 27 through uh, 31. And uh, if you were here uh, last night, I appreciate you bearing with me as we'll work through this passage uh, again this morning. When you're at that passage of Scripture, if you'll stand with me, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. Not required of us to stand uh, while the Scripture is being read, but we simply do it to honor the public reading of Scripture. So Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27. The word of the Lord says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. And they will walk and not become weary. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture. And we thank you, God, for your grace that has been shown to us today. We thank you for the precious visitation of your spirit this morning. God, we thank you for the move of your spirit, Lord, that touches our hearts and unites us, though from different backgrounds, different cultures, Lord. You bring us together and you unite us through the power of the Holy Spirit, seeking you earnestly, loving you, Lord, seeking to walk in your ways. And so we pray today, God, that by that same Holy Spirit that you would move according to your will and plan. We thank you, God, for being present today. Thank you for visiting us. We pray that you would encourage us today through the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This period in Israel's history where Isaiah was uh, prophesying was a very difficult and challenging period in the life of Israel as a uh, nation. When I think about what was going on with the nation of Israel, I think it's not uh, much unlike the situation that we find ourselves in, in our own country and also uh, around the world, a very uh, tumultuous period. Uh, the Israelite kingdom was divided into two separate kingdoms during this time, a, a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And what had previously happened was that years of prosperity uh, had uh, had had been uh, within Israel, and those years of prosperity had actually sunk the nation 
down into pagan worship and moral decay, that uh, being beneficiaries of the prosperity that God had blessed them with, they didn't use it for his glory and his kingdom. They used it for themselves, and by using that prosperity for themselves, they began to worship other gods, and it declined in uh, to a great moral decay of the country. And so Isaiah prophesied about God's impending judgment uh, on the nation, which would result in the captivity of God's people. And so if you're reading through the book of Isaiah up through chapter 39, Isaiah is essentially telling the story of destruction because God's people had left him and God's people had sinned against him. And what had happened was the Babylonians had come in and had conquered and had systematically carried off the Jews into the foreign land of Babylon. They were trapped, they were far from home, and they felt abandoned by God. The Jews felt that the gods of the Babylonians had proved too strong a match for the God of Israel. And they were enticed to go ahead and worship Babylon's pagan deities. So the thought process was, if God could not keep us from being conquered, if God could not keep us from being uh, uh, torn away from our homeland, if God could not do that and the Babylonian gods helped them to conquer us and, and help them to take away our, our children and our young people over in to Babylon, if our God couldn't prevent that, the Babylonian God must be stronger. And so we should worship the Babylonian gods. Even those who continued to remain faithful to Jehovah God felt that they had been abandoned by him because of the wickedness all around. So they were simply thinking that because of the, the, the pot of wickedness around us that I find myself in all of this wicked moral decay, even though I myself am trying to be righteous and I feel abandoned by God because I'm in the midst of all this mess how can God help me? Lamentations uh, was written during this time. And I, I read last night part of Lamentations 5, and I'd like to read it uh, to you this morning because it gives a sense of where the Israelites felt that they were as a people that were some of them looking to God for deliverance and thinking, you've forgotten us. Lamentations 5 says, Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our reproach. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers and our houses to aliens. We have become orphans without a father. Our mothers are like widows. We have to pay for our drinking water. Our wood, our wood comes to us at a price. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are worn out and there is no rest for us. We have submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our fathers sinned and are no more. It is we who have borne their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is no one to deliver us from their hand. We get bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin has become as hot as an oven because of the burning heat of famine. They ravaged the women in Zion, the virgins in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung by their hands and elders were not respected. 
Young men worked at the grinding mill and youth stumbled under loads of wood. Elders are gone from the gate. Young men from their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes are dim. Because of Mount Zion, which lies desolate, foxes prowl in it. You, O Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to you, O God, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. What a powerful, emotional picture of a people who are wondering, God, where are you? I'm crying out to you. I'm seeking you. I'm longing after you. But God, where are you? The situation only gets worse. It only gets more bleak. Where is relief, God? If you can hear me, God, where are you? They had grown weary under their burdens. Their backs were breaking from hard work. They saw little children carrying heavy loads. They saw the youths bearing the scars of judgment. They were nearing the breaking point and wondering, would God ever hear their cry and deliver them from their oppressors? But Isaiah's role was not only to prophesy about judgment, but he was also to speak of the glory of God's restoration of his people. Isaiah 40 begins the response from the Lord to his people in their despair. And as we look at this passage, I believe that there are at least three areas that we can think about and contextualize this passage for our own lives. Wait on the Lord, hope in the Lord, and run for the Lord. Wait on the Lord, hope in the Lord and run for the Lord. First, wait on the Lord. The Israelites were in the midst of captivity, and the solution that God had prescribed to them was to wait. I used this illustration last evening. Imagine if you were at your house, and you begin to get very deathly sick, or if something happens, and you're working outside, and you cut yourself and, and blood is flowing and you go to the doctor's office and when you are in the chair and he begins to examine, he says, the solution for you is just to sit here and wait. What I want you to do in your pain, I know blood is coming out. I know it's not stopping, but just sit here and wait. You're going to think, I'm getting a second opinion, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to be willing to sit here and and wait. I'm going to get a second opinion. And yet this seems like what God was asking the Israelites to do. I think we have to think about what God means when he says for us to wait. Often when I ask my kids to wait, what I mean is sit here and don't move. Because... When they start moving, you never know where you're going to find them. 
This is why when church begins to start, we bring them in, sit here, and don't move. Because we know there's probably been a Kroger delivery in the kitchen and somebody's snooping in the kitchen. (laughs) Sit here and wait. Wait until service starts. Don't move. But when God asks us to wait, it's not that type of waiting. Waiting for God is not passive. But waiting for God is action-oriented. We need to be engaged. We need to be thinking. We need to be thoughtful about the plan of God. And the best way that I think Scripture teaches us this is through the day of Pentecost because Jesus said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the power comes upon you. I want you to stay and wait, disciples, in Jerusalem until the power of God is poured out upon you. But if you read Acts chapter 1, what you find is that they weren't just sitting around a room kind of playing cards or doing something, just sort of passing the time. They were in the upper room and they were waiting in anticipation because Jesus had said, wait for power. So they were waiting in anticipation of what God will do. As a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter where you find yourself this morning, what situation you've been crying out to him for, the situation that you're asking him to move and you feel like my prayers are hitting that ceiling. God, you're not answering. God, you're not hearing. God, where are you? God, my back is breaking. And God's saying to you, wait. It's not just to sit there and wait. It is to wait with the hope of a promise. And we'll speak about that a little more in a focused way here in just a moment. But in Acts 1, they were waiting with anticipation. Jesus could have, when he gathered the disciples together, and he said, wait for me in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Jesus could have baptized them in the Holy Spirit at that exact moment. The fire of heaven could have fallen at that exact moment moment. They could have been speaking in other tongues at that exact moment. The passers-by could have been hearing God's praises in other languages at that exact moment. But Jesus said, wait, stop, wait. I want you to wait. And as they were waiting, they were waiting in anticipation of something, actively waiting. You're in despair this morning. You're wondering, does God hear you? Wait in anticipation. The disciples were together in that upper room. They went to Jerusalem. It was 12 that Jesus originally spoke the promise to, but 120 that were gathered together up in that upper room. It matters who you are waiting with. You see, when it's the time of life where you feel like you're kind of at the bottom of the barrel, where you're wondering what's going to happen, where there's issues that you need an answer from God. You need to wait with the right people, wait in anticipation, but also wait with the right people because there's people who aren't going to point you back to God. They're going to say, oh, you need to do this. You need to go see this person. You need to go and act on this. You need to give them a piece of your mind. But you need to wait with the right people. You need to wait with people who are saturated with the word of God, who are going to give you counsel from the word of God, who are going to think through the power of the Holy Spirit before they open their mouth. Who are going to sit back and listen to the voice of the Lord who may say the thing that is difficult to you. 
waiting with the right people, not waiting with the people who are going to continue to pull you down, who continue to point you away from God, who are going to continue to point you to the world's ways of solving problems. Wait with the right people who are going to point you to God's ways. My brother, my sister, hold on. My brother, my sister, there's promises in Scripture. My brother, my sister, God's promises are sure. You can hang on to them even though it doesn't seem like right now it's coming to pass. Even though it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I want to encourage you to continue on. Continue to be faithful. Continue to be focused. Continue to seek Him. Waiting with the right people. It's important for us when we find ourselves in this situation that our waiting is not just sitting back wondering what's going to happen next, but that we are actively waiting, anticipating what God is going to do, waiting with the right people and waiting with the right focus. See, you've got to have a focus too that's upon the things of the Lord. Sometimes we can just be concerned about our problems, particularly when we're in that moment of despair and difficulty. It's all about me. All of my prayers, when I kneel down, God, help me. God, help me in this situation. God, move in my life. God, do this work for me. God, heal me. God, move. God, provide for me. God, I need a car. God, I need a job. God, I need, I need, I need, I need. When someone else is over here seeking the Lord and earnestly pouring out their heart for God for what you need over there, and you're oblivious to what's going on. Sometimes our needs are met through our earnestness in praying for other people. It doesn't mean that we don't take our needs to God and we don't lay them before him. But we have to be careful that they don't become our own idols. That we have to keep our eyes open to people around us who also have needs. And I can guarantee you that as you begin to intercede for someone else's needs, a lot of times you think, my need's not as bad as I thought it was. My challenge is not quite as difficult as I thought it was. And the other thing that you begin to see is this sister, this brother is walking through so faithfully. This sister, this brother is walking through this journey so faithfully. And if they can do it, I can do it too. Waiting with the right focus. Up in the upper room, they devoted themselves together in one mind and in one accord, seeking after the promise that Jesus had said to wait for. Waiting in anticipation, waiting with the right people, and waiting with the right focus. When God asks us to wait, we're not to be passive. We're to be engaged with anticipation of the hope that is to come from the Lord. Waiting on God as an activity of faithful children that will reap a blessing upon God's people. There's a promise to those who wait on the Lord. There's a promise to those who wait on the Lord. But the key point is that they must wait. Patiently waiting is an essential attribute of the believer. Waiting teaches us that God is in control and we are not. We're not in control. God is in control. It's His plan and His purposes. 
that will come to be. We are not in control. He is in control. Our waiting is not simply to stir ourselves up. Our waiting rests upon a promise that has not yet been realized. Our hope is in the Lord. First, we wait on the Lord. Secondly, we hope in the Lord. The Israelites in Babylon saw destruction all around them. They were becoming despondent. They were wondering if God heard them. And if he did, would he act? And God speaks to them through Isaiah the prophet. And he says, those who wait on the Lord will receive this promise. Those who wait on the Lord will receive this promise. And this promise is they will gain new strength. So those who wait on the Lord, if you're waiting on the Lord, you're actively waiting on the Lord, you're anticipating, you're around the right people, you've got the right focus by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're waiting on the Lord, actively waiting on the Lord. The promise for you then is that you will gain new strength. Not might gain, not probably gain, not could gain, but you will gain new strength. The Israelites had lost hope in the Lord. They had forgotten the power of God to bring about his promises. But the story must be told and must be set before us over and over again that the testimony of God's grace at work in his people is God's consistent testimony of deliverance. God has delivered from Egypt. God delivered from the pagan nations. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has provided a means of deliverance for you and me from the bondage of sin and from the wickedness of things that seek to pull us down and tear us away from God. God has promised us deliverance. There is hope for you today. God reminds the Israelites and us, that as they wait, he will give them new strength. When we walk through the challenge of life, what's important in terms of people that you surround yourself with is someone who has a testimony they're willing to share. Somebody who has a testimony of God's grace and God's power and God's deliverance and God's mercy. When you're in that waiting time. Because what happens when someone begins to share their testimony, which is why I'm grateful for a, a ministry like CR, where people are sharing testimonies of God's deliverance and of God's grace. The reason of that is, is because it can say to me, if God delivered them, God can deliver me. If God provided for them hope, God can provide hope for me. If this brother and sister said, I held on, I prayed through, I saw God work, then that's some encouragement for me to say, hey, God can work in me too. God's going to move in my life too. The situation that I find myself in will not last forever. And maybe that's the hope you need to grab onto this morning where you find yourself, the family struggle, the work struggle, the financial struggle, the health struggle, the emotional struggle, the mental struggle. God says for you, there is hope this morning. There is hope for you to hang on to. There's something for you to look forward to. His good and precious promises. Who are those people who are going to testify about God's goodness? Are you ready to share your testimony? Are you ready to share how God delivered you? Because I could tell you this morning, there's probably someone who needs some encouragement. 
Who are those who God's delivered from addiction? Who are those who God has healed, who have been deathly sick and God has raised them up off the sickbed? I believe I shared this testimony before. It is a miracle of God if I've ever seen a miracle of God in my life. And this is the problem with, with preachers that we tell the same stories over and over again because we forget we've told them before. <laughs> so if you've heard it, I apologize. But I remember being in Tennessee and, and pastoring and, uh, and, and being with a family whose, whose wife had had a baby. And I, I think I shared this recently, a wife who had a baby and there was difficulty there and she was losing blood. Uh, we were at a small hospital. They had exhausted all the blood products they could. And I had to stand with the husband with doctors and nurses saying she's not going to make it. We don't think she's going to make it. They're trying to airlift her out to Knoxville to get to uh, UT Hospital and wondering, is she going to make it? And the husband and I step in the room, blood on the walls, blood in the floor, blood everywhere. The doctor said, I'm warning you, it looks bad. You go in there and her face and her body is as gray as these poles. Doctors were crying. Nurses were crying. Five kids at home already. And if there was ever a miracle, a miracle, it was in that woman that she made it to UT Hospital and that by God's grace, within just a few hours, they were saying, I don't know who told you she wasn't going to make it. I don't know who told you she wasn't going to come through. She's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. By God's grace, he is still a miracle working God. He is still able to change situations. Maybe you needed to hear that this morning. Maybe you needed to hear this morning that God heals. Maybe you needed to hear that that is not something that's just written about in the first four books of the Bible in the New Testament. That it's something that God continues to do in our day. Testimony of God's power, of God's might, of God's grace, of God's mercy upon us. Hope in God. His promises will come to pass. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. There is a future promise beyond what you can even think this morning. There is a future promise for you today. Yes, you ought to say amen. We ought to say amen. We ought to get excited about it. We ought to thank the Lord about it. We ought to rejoice in his presence because of what is ahead for you and for me. And our affections on the Lord, waiting on his promises. And then the scripture tells us that we're to run for the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord, they will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. This Prophecy talks about when Israel will return to the promised land, that there will be a sense of immediacy and a sense of renewed strength among them. Well, I can try to run in my own strength and I'm not going to get very far. 
We have, uh, uh, my wife and I and a few of our children, we have gone on a uh, journey to exercise. I'm on the treadmill. I wonder what God thinks of treadmills. Running in place and never going anywhere. Sweating and staying in the same place the whole time you're there. But I've learned I've got to exercise. There's got to be movement somehow in this body or this body becomes atrophied. When I was in the ninth grade, I was in gym class, and uh, our school was a poor school. Uh, we had under 400 students in the whole high school. And uh, we, when we had to play tennis, a lot of times the nets were broken down or other things. So I was playing tennis with uh, some friends uh, during gym class, and uh, the net was kind of drooping in the middle. And uh, the ball went over into, a, into that, um, that area because it was three or four tennis um, courts there. Went over into another tennis court with the new net, net uh, dripping down, drooping down. And I, I thought I'd be funny, jumped over the net. My foot got hung in it. I came down on my knee, and it, uh, it, it broke my knee up this way. And uh, so the gym teacher came, and they put me in a wheelchair. And of all the places that they could wheel me, because this was the last period of the day, the gym teacher, for some reason, wheels me right out to the road where all the buses go by. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, people putting the bus window down. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a lot of compassion in those days sometimes. <laughs> so I went to the doctor, and the doctor put a splint on my leg. He said, we're going to have to do surgery. And so he put a splint on my leg, some kind of uh, plaster sort of thing, down the whole leg, and then they wrapped the whole thing in gauze, so I wouldn't move it for a week until we could get surgery scheduled. And so we went in uh, for surgery, and during that time, I guess I was out. They took the, uh, the splint and all of that off, and when I woke up, what I found, it was about a week from the time I fell to the time of surgery. What I found was this leg, no, I, I'm not a muscle man, but this leg still had muscle. This leg was as flabby as I don't know what. It was like a, a toothpick with flesh. <laughs> in one week, in one week, what had happened by lack of movement? By lack of movement, lack of mobility, sitting in one space, not doing anything, just waiting on something to happen, the muscle had almost, I won't say it collapsed, but it, it was a flabby mess. And it took a long time for that to recover. And the same thing happens in the spiritual realm. Spiritually, if we're just kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting for Jesus to do something, when Jesus says, I have already given you in the word of God what I'm calling you to do, how to be faithful through the midst of the storm, how to be faithful when things get difficult, how to be faithful when challenges come, when you're just sitting there or I'm just sitting there waiting, when the time comes when there's a breakthrough, when the time comes and there's a shift, when the time comes, comes and there is a change in our life. We don't want to have to be dragging it along. 
We want to be focused. We want to be ready to run for the Lord. Babylon would soon fall to the Medo-Persian Empire, and Cyrus the Great would allow the Jews to return to Israel. God's promise of revival came to pass under the leadership of Ezra. His promise of protection came to pass under the leadership of Nehemiah. His promise of renewal came to pass under the leadership of Zerubbabel. God was faithful to fulfill his promise. And when God opens the door for your promise to be fulfilled, he wants us to not get tired, to not get weary. The Israelites were supernaturally empowered to receive the promise that God has for them. The best way I know to illustrate this is watching my wife uh, seven times give birth. It's tiresome. It's difficult for her, not me. It's a challenge. It's exhausting. Hours and hours sometimes. But yet when the child is born, when the baby's laid in the arms, there's an immediate renewal of strength to care for this child, to protect this child, to help this child, to do what is necessary to care for the child. There's an immediate renewal of strength in the moment. And some of us at this moment, we feel like we're in the throes of labor. God, help me. God, it's awful. God, I'm in agony. And God says, there's coming a time when I'm going to renew to you strength. There's coming a time when I'm going to give to you that blessing and it will be renewed to you and you will have the strength to bear up. Run with the promise. Run with the promise. This morning, I would ask you, are you worried? Psalm 55 and 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Cast your cares on the Lord. You're thinking about what's going on in the news today. You're thinking about what's going on in our world. You're thinking about what's going on in our country today. Does all the cacophony out in the world, does it kind of get to you? Does it rattle you? Does it shake you? Are you worried about what's happening? Are you anxious about what's happening? Take Psalm 55 and 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. This is the promise that God is calling you to run with this morning. Jesus says in John 16 and 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. When you wonder, is the world going to crash in? Run with the promise that Jesus has overcome the world. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand in the midst of despair, in the midst of challenge. When you wonder, God, where are you? God, will you help me? God, why does it see that one thing after another continues to befall me? God, why does it seem like every time I try to take a step in the right direction that something comes against me? God, why is the enemy getting after my children? God, why are they not following you like they ought? God, where is the next generation? When you're tempted to wonder, you're tempted to think, you're tempted to not understand, I want to encourage you that God will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you with his righteous right hand. That's his promise to you this morning. So put it practically, where do you find yourself? Where do you find your situation this morning? You came in here wondering, 
What is happening to me? What's going on in my life? I don't know where to turn. First, the Lord says, you're going to have to wait. Wait. But you're not just going to sit on the stump and wait. You're going to wait in anticipation. I'm waiting, God, but I know you're going to do something. I'm waiting, God, but I know something good is on the horizon. God, I know you're working for your glory and my good. God, I know something's on the horizon. I'm waiting, God, but I'm waiting in anticipation. When you're waiting, you're surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, sometimes in the waiting game, God's trying to take away some things from you, and sometimes that's people. Sometimes that's the negative people, that's the negative thought, the people who are going to pull you away from God. Sometimes there's a cutting away of the negativity, and it's difficult and it's challenging because sometimes those are people we love dearly, even though they're not good for us. Waiting with the right people. And we're hoping in the promise. Get in your Bible. Study his word. Look in the Psalms. Look in the prophetic books. Look at how God delivered. God did bring judgment, but God always gave hope. God showed them he was going to come. He was going to deliver. He was going to set things right again. Find that scripture that speaks to your heart. Find that promise that speaks to you this morning. When you find yourself down here, wait, find a promise. Wait, find a promise. This is why we have to be students of the Word. We have to be students of the Word. You can't go through life and just throw the book on the shelf and never open it up. There comes a time when you have to stand on the promises. Hope in the promise. And then know and understand that there will come a season when breakthrough comes. Breakthrough will come. Breakthrough will come. Hear me. Breakthrough will come come. And when breakthrough comes, believe and know that you have to run for the Lord with all of your might. And as you are running for the Lord with all of your might, he will bear you up. He will give you strength. He will renew your strength. He will give you power that you didn't think you could even attain. God will move in such a way that you will say, God, stop the blessings. I can't contain it anymore. See, that's the promise of his word. That is the promise of his word. The promise of his word says you're not going to be able to hold it all. Amen. 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 Let's stand together.